0: Cornerstone Church. My name is Sean Apking. If you're visiting with us, I'm the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here. Let me talk to you a little bit about what that video just talked about. You guys, go ahead, and come on up here. We're doing something a little different for Easter this year. Um, we are, um, you know, making it, um, make it. We made a website. We wanted to be give you an, more of an opportunity to reach out to your friends and neighbors, but it's all about to us, the testimony. And what's the big deal about Easter is so important to us because it is a big deal for us. Because how many of you guys are saved? You've given your life to the Lord. And so there's there's a big deal. And, and one of the big deals for us as a church, we double in size on Easter. And uh, we'll have twice as many people as our regular Sunday mornings. And so um, there's people that are coming that only come on Easter. There's people that have never stepped down. Stepped inside of a church that come on Easter because someone invited them, and we're going to ask you to invite people, and we want to we want to uh, minister to them in an effective way. And uh, the whole message on that Sunday is what is the big deal about Easter? One of the things we want to do we want to do these small videos here, and we'll talk about that here in a minute about. That you'd create, that you tell people by your testimony, what is the big deal about Easter to you? What does it mean to you? And some of those videos we're going to use on a Sunday, okay? So I've I've asked Jonathan and Patrick just kind of give you an overview of what's happening uh, here on What's the Big Deal. So go ahead.
1: We're so excited about the vision behind this Easter uh, this year because we think that we're really going to do a lot. In and through the community, just from uh, the theme, you know, it's it's more than just a, a graphic or a title, but it's really uh, building that question up in this city. Is what's the big deal? There's so many uh, of us who attend church on Easter and we drag our family with this who don't typically come, but there's a lot of other people out there who they see all of the signs and billboards and and the extra services and things like that on Easter Sunday, and they know all about the bunny and the eggs and all the crazy stuff like that. Chocolate. But the, yeah, chocolate—that's a big thing. Yeah. If you give me a hollow bunny, you and I won't go down as friends okay, so but th- they want to know what what's the whole what's the whole thing about? What is the big deal uh, about Easter? Why does church make such a big deal about it? And so the, the reality is, is that it's a testimony. It's a testimony of what Christ did on the cross and what he did in defeating death through his resurrection. And you and I know that, but many of, of our family members, many of our friends, many people in the community don't know that. And so that's what this process is all about, is getting the testimony out there. And each of us, uh, most of us here, that we have a testimony about Easter. We have something that, that on one year during Easter, our family was changed or our life was changed. For me, my brother, he rededicated his life to the Lord a few Easter's ago, and his whole family followed that same Sunday. And so Easter is, is an amazing time in the year for my family, and I know that it could be in your life too. So that's what this process is about, and Jonathan's going to kind of share about how you can get involved and how we can involve our, uh, our circles of influence.
2: Yeah. How many of you guys use the internet? How many of you guys actually like see that person that you're talking to on the internet every single day? You don't, but you do through Facebook and Twitter and social media. And the school graph I made, Chris can throw it up there, you see you in the middle, then you got your extended network there. When you share a video or something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it goes to your network of friends. And then one of your friends likes it or comments on it and starts talking to you about it, then it extends into their network and it can go on and on. And the cool thing about social media and the Internet is it gives us access to people that we don't talk to access to the people that aren't in our daily life and our walk and it takes your story that's important and that is impactful and it spreads it farther than we thought we could and what's cool is and our whole goal with this is just for you guys to shoot a short simple video telling people on facebook your friends your family the people that you would normally invite to facebook about what's the big deal chris go and roll that quick example that we shot I think Easter is important because not only did God save us all, but, you know, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we need to take that and live our life for his glory. So see something real short and simple like that works great. How many remember the Ice Bucket Challenge? You couldn't get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram without seeing that everywhere. And the same example can work with this, if enough of us get behind it. And what a great idea for this is the exact same way with that, as saying nominate or challenge somebody. When you shoot your video, challenge someone else. Call them out. You know, have them make a video. And then it starts, starts a conversation with the unsaved and the saved, and it, and it gives them the question, what's the big deal about Easter? And that's our end goal is to get this conversation going so that unchurched people start asking the question, and then when they ask, well, what's the big deal? All you gotta say is, well, come, come with me and, and find out. And so that's our goal. And if you don't know how to shoot a video and put it on Instagram, here's what you do: you ask your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, they do it every single day. They can help you. Otherwise, my email is on the insert that we told you, that we gave you about how to do it. I'm going to have a station set up probably the next two Sundays where we can film your guys' story because everybody has an important story, and we want to share it. So if you don't have those resources, email me. We'll get it set up, and we'll get you guys
0: going. Amen. Thanks, guys. Give me a hand, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, our heart is not just for our church. This is for the kingdom of God. So our heart that it, it goes viral and that it goes everywhere throughout this year and not People who don't go to church here starts uploading things. What's the big deal about Easter? And everybody's doing it, you know. And so that's our heart. And we're also building for actually next year too. And so uh, I want to encourage you: load up your videos. We do have a website. It's called EasterWhat'sTheBigDeal.com and you can go to it. We'll actually put some of those videos on there, and then some of the videos that are uploaded and everything that we see, we're going to actually use on Easter Sunday to help me with my message, because one of the most powerful thing is the testimony, your testimony, what God means to you. Amen? And see what God does. So I want you guys to be praying that. There's a lot of other things. We'll talk about them next week. Um, what's going to be going on in this next month leading up to Easter. We do a lot of acts of service, reaching out into our community, and how you can be involved in that. So be listening to that. Amen? Look in your bulletin. There's some notes you can follow along with me. We're on a series called uh, Life, Um, Love, and Finances. And we're talking about being balanced. And bringing everything into order in our life in every way. Last week, we talked about finances and how we can bring that in order. Today, I want to go back a little bit and come back into life and what it really means and how you and I, really biblically, you and I can bring things into order in our life. And it comes out, really, it comes out from this verse. It's Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It says, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained but happy is he who keeps the law. You know, in order for us to get the things, and my whole premise of this is for that God has given us abundant life. And how do we continue to walk in it? Well, we need to bring things in order. And so in order for us to receive that abundant life that Christ came to, to give us, to live it out every single day, we have to do this. We have to have a vision. And we have to have a vision. Because the Bible says where there's no vision... People are unrestrained, or one version says people perish. Now, it really means unrestrained. That's the more accurate part of it, but perishing does happen, and because we're just like a chicken with our head cut off going whatever direction we we can. We don't know where we're going. We're trying this. We're trying to do that, and we need to get a vision in our lives in order for us to accomplish something great. Now, listen, Now, when I say vision, a lot of you are thinking what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to not deal with that today. I'm going to deal with vision on who you're supposed to become, okay? And because I think that's more important. Out of you becoming what God's called you to become will flow what you're supposed to do, amen? And so I want to talk to you about, really, this is a, a basic foundational principle in the Word. In fact, some theologians call these the general offices. And these general offices are three things, and we find them in the Old Testament, three types of leaders in the Old Testament, but they're all embodied in one leader in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, who we are to live our life as an example of. Now, these three Old Testament types of leaders are the prophet, the priest, and the king. And you and I are called to be now, because of what Jesus did, all three of those in our lives. That we're supposed to be a prophet, that we're supposed to be a priest, and we're supposed to be a king. And how do we do that? What does that look like if I'm going to be a prophet? What does that look like if I'm going to be a priest? What does that look like if I'm going to be king? How am I going to walk? How am I going to talk? How am I going to be those things? How am I going to become those things? Of course, Jesus made it a way for you and I to walk in that. So let me go through each one of these, okay? Because I want us to understand. I want us to get a vision of what Christ died for us to become and how we should live our life. And I want you to see this. And I believe by the end of the service that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you on the ways you're supposed to be that prophet, on the ways you're supposed to be the priest, and how you're supposed to walk as a king, okay? So the first one is that the Bible refers to every believer as a prophet. I don't know if you know that. In fact, in Numbers eleven twenty nine, Moses states this. He says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And then in Joel, there's a prophecy. It says, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, it says it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. That's how you know if you're getting old or not. And uh, your young men shall see visions. And I don't know the definition really between the two, but I'm always going to be seeing visions. So anyway, and that blessing of this, and what that prophecy comes to fruition back in Acts chapter 2, where Peter talks about, and he uh, uh, affirms that, and he declares that the, church, that the church, that that prophecy is now fulfilled in you and I, that you and I now are the prophets of our own life, and we can act in that. Now, does that take away from the office of the prophet, the main office of prophet? No, there's some people that are anointed and gifted, and in fact, the Ephesians talks about that he gave some gifts to men, and one of them is the prophet. But you and I daily should operate in a prophetic way in our lives. Every believer should operate as a prophet. Now, how did we do that? So we look at the Old Testament prophets, and we look how they acted, and we look at Jesus and how he acted and he lived. And this is going to give you a vision on how you should live. Number one, we see about the prophet, we see that they, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were led by the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I, because of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us. It it dwells inside of us. It's even better. Amen? And so you and I should be led, every believer should be led by the Holy Spirit to to discern what is true. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And so you and I should be led by the Holy Spirit to discern what is truth. We have that inner voice inside of us to tell us, to teach us on what is right and what is wrong, to what is truth and what is fake. And you and I should be led by that. The prophets of the Old Testament, they always did that. They knew that. They could discern things. I mean, you didn't, you didn't want to lie to a prophet. Why? Because she'd probably die. And so, you know, you want to be... Now, that doesn't happen. Don't think you can be a prophet and make when people lie to you. You're going to die. Hey, kid, you lie to me. No, you're going to die. Some of us say that. My dad used to tell me that. But anyway, there's truth. There's the Holy Spirit being led. And the other aspect of a prophet that we see is that, that the prophet was directed to speak the word of God. In fact, every believer in the New Testament says every believer is directed to admonish with the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says "Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so each believer, every single one of us, as a prophet, operating in that prophetic way is supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit, But also to admonish people in the word of God. That word admonish means to instruct. It means to rebuke. To tell them when things are wrong. By the word of God. You and I are called by God to do that. As prophetic people. The third thing we see that that a prophet is supposed to do. Is to encourage. That you and I are to encourage and especially encourage other believers. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You and I are supposed to encourage other believers. To be an encourager. So we're supposed to be led as a as, as a prophet. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to admonish people in the word of God. That means we need to teach, instruct, and rebuke. And to encourage people but the last one of what a prophet does is that they are a witness. They are called to speak the truth to non-believers, to be a light. Acts, in Acts 8, 4, all the Christians who, had, who, had, who were around were scattered out of Jerusalem. And this is what it said they did. They preached the word wherever they went. You and I are supposed to be that mouthpiece of God. That's what the prophets were, weren't they? They were the mouthpiece of what God was saying in that time, in that hour, in that day. How many of you guys believe our nation needs prophets? Amen? And he needs you and I. And don't say, that's that other person. Don't say, that's the other person. That's you and I today are called in that prophetic voice in some way to be able to be that witness and that's what they did and i love what paul states in first thessalonians 1 8 he states he says the lord's message rang out from all the converts in that area they rang out they spoke the word and that's what christians as believers you and i are supposed to be we're supposed to hear from and be led by the holy spirit and we're supposed to take the word because we're, you know, we're in the word of God. And we're supposed to take the word and we're supposed to admonish other people with it. That means we're supposed to instruct, teach, and rebuke. We're supposed to teach other people. We're supposed to let it out of our mouth and to, so we can be a witness and encourage people in it. When you encourage someone, did you know you're being a prophet? You're acting prophetically into somebody's life. How many has ever said to somebody, It's going to be okay. Did you know that's prophecy? That is speaking what God is saying right now. That's what what prophecy is. It's speaking what God, what Holy Spirit is saying right now. Don't you think God would have said that to them? Well, you would hope so. You don't want to say anything to anybody that God wouldn't say. It's going to be okay. That's being prophetic. That's encouraging. That's actually speaking the word of God. Amen? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They're good. Amen? You are speaking. You're being that prophetic voice. When you go tell somebody about the word of God... You're being that prophetic voice. When you're being the light and telling someone about Jesus, that's being a prophetic voice. When you take your cell phone and you point it at you, and you instead of taking a selfie, you do a video about, the, about you know what Easter means to you, you're being a prophetic voice. And God has called every single one of us to be a prophetic voice. So, Sean, why do I need to know that? Because for your life and my life to come in order, I need to know what God's commanded me to do and who he's commanded me to be. And he's commanded us, made us, to be his voice here on this earth. To be the prophet here on this earth. And so the prophet used to be led, to admonish, to instruct, to encourage, and to proclaim, to be a witness. Amen? Now the second one, the Bible calls every believer to be a priest. Every believer to be a priest. Now I'm not talking about you have to go get a collar and put it around your neck. I'm talking something totally different. What did the priests do? They went into the what in the Old Testament? They went into the Holy of Holies. No one else is supposed to go in there. What did they do? They atoned for the sins of the people. But they went into the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus, He came. Guess what? We have an opportunity to go boldly before His throne. We can go hang out with Daddy God and hang out in His presence. To be a priest means that I understand that I have access in the name of Jesus, who is the high priest, to the very presence of God, and that as a priest, I am to give myself daily as a sacrifice, an offering to the Lord, a living sacrifice. It says in Romans chapter 12, that I offer all of who I am to him, that I'm come into his presence on a daily basis and get what I need and get his presence. That I am changed by the presence of God. In fact, as we talk about the prophet and we talk about the king, these two things don't work until I'm in the presence of God. That I daily go into that presence. What did Jesus value the most? What his father said and what he saw him do. Where did he get that at? Did he get that hanging out with everybody else all the time? No. He got that in one place. In his quiet time. In his prayer time. In his worship time. That's where he got this. And as I, as the priest, as a priest, I go in to worship him. Not just public worship, which we are called to do in 1 Corinthians. But I have a priestly calling to go into the presence of God, to be changed so I can come out and be that prophet and that king. And so when people see me, I share the experience that I have. I share the glory that I have. And so we come out of the presence of God to share what we have experienced to others, and that draws everyone else to the Father. You know, I've seen people try to act as a prophet and speak the word, but they have no presence they have their presence, and that doesn't mean anything. They have themselves. But I've seen people who spoke the word of God strong, who spoke what God was saying right now, who even went to encourage, and they had the very presence of God, and it meant someone else, something so great, because they were speaking not just of their own ability, they had the ability of God all over them. Because I can have someone say, Sean, it's going to be all right, and it means nothing to me. And I can have somebody else who I know has been in the presence of God, and I'll break down crying because they said, it's going to be okay. Because the presence of God, it changes you. And a lot of times as, as Christians, we don't understand who we are. We think, oh, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And all this other stuff is so, so for someone else who's gifted. Listen, you are gifted to be that prophet. And it comes out because you hang out with Jesus. That I hang out with him in my, my quiet time. And that when I come out and the goodness of the Lord is all over me. And this is why Jesus calls us to live a life of goodness and service that one everyone, uh, everyone around us will glorify God. Matthew 5:16 says this, "Let your light so shine before men that they may, have, may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven." When we do this, something great happens. We change the environment of where we're at. You know one of the greatest things that I can do for my family is to be a man who is a priest who goes into the Holy of Holies and hangs out with God that changes the atmosphere of our family the most important thing you can do for your job is to be that priest who gets wisdom from God who goes boldly before the throne of God Because that will change your surroundings. That changes everything about you. Because you're having your quiet times. You're reading your Bible. You're worshiping God. Not just on Sundays, which is important, but it's every day. In fact, your Sunday experience will be greater when you worship every day. Amen? Because things change in that. And see, when we become that priest, we become that prophet. We start getting order in our life and knowing who we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus. So when I'm in that presence, I'm in that presence, things change. I have a new perspective. He's called you to be a priest. He's called you to be a prophet to proclaim. He's called you to be a priest to get empowered. He's also called you, number three, to be a king. The Bible calls every believer a king. Ephesians 2, 6 says, and he's raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. All believers are called to rule and reign with Christ. Revelations 1, 5, and 6 says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over all the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We are royalty. See, Jesus is called the king of kings. But who is he the king over? Who are these other kings? That's you and I. We are the kings that he is over. First Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And see, we have to understand that as he calls us to be a prophet and a priest, he's also called us to walk and to live as a king. It's talking about position. Where do you see God placing you? Do you see God placing you at the bottom? Or does He, you see God raise you up in heavenly places? To rule and reign with him. And he's given us authority. And the, the authority he's given us basically. is to, our, our commission is to enforce Satan's defeat on this earth. Everything that Satan's about. To, he's called us to enforce his defeat. And you and I are part of that. And that's why, you know, Christianity, a lot of Christians aren't, aren't powerful in what they do. It's because they don't understand where their power comes from, from being a priest. What they're supposed to do is proclaim and their position as a king. And so they walk as a pauper. They don't know that they, they are called to live like him. Now, so let's break this down. What did the kings in the Old Testament do? See, the Hebrew kings did not rule in their own right they ruled because of God had placed them there. They didn't rule for the people. They, didn't, they didn't, uh, weren't chosen but for the people, but they were servants of the Most High God. And so let's take one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament, and that was King David. And let's, watch, let's look at how he lived and how he walked. Now, he wasn't perfect. You guys all know that. But he was a king. In fact, if you look at some of King David's writings in the book of psalms you see man this man acts like he's a new testament believer because he was talking about things about healing he was talking about things in the covenant he knew something and the number one thing i see about king david and some of the things that we should walk on walk in because jesus did this too the first of all of it that he was a godly king not only that but that his heart was so soft that when God touched it, he moved. He changed. He did something, whatever God said, he would go do it. That's, his heart was so soft for it. And as a, as a king, man, we're going to obey the king of kings. And we're going to walk in that. I love what Proverbs 21 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of waters, and he turns it wherever he wishes. So he had a heart that was soft that was turned, by the Lord. The second thing we see about King David, one of the aspects of it, is that he had a servant's heart. What made David and Jesus different was that they believed the word of God and they served the word of God. They were inclined to be obedient, no matter what. That's what Jesus did, right? And so to walk as a king, I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. Another aspect of of, of a kingly characteristic is that He was all about justice. King David was all about justice. Jesus was all about justice. You know what justice means? It's to, to, to help right the wrong in people's lives. So they displayed the qualities of God, and they went to help right the wrong. I remember David coming up as a young man, and his father says, I want you to bring some food to your brothers who are at war with the Philistines. And so he gets his food and starts walking up to the battlefield. And he and he gets, starts getting mad because he sees all these Israelites hiding in their tents. And there's this one big giant out there cursing at Israel and their God. And he says a powerful statement. He says, is there not a cause? And he goes, right the wrong. What did he do? He, go, he goes, killed Goliath and cuts off his head. That's justice. Some of you don't even know it that you're acting like a king when you go help right the wrong. Some of you work with some of, uh, um, some of the ministries around this area that helps young ladies not have abortions to make right choices. You're helping righting a wrong. Some of you are helping feed the poor. You're helping right or wrong. A couple of days ago, on February 27th, it was a um, thing that you would put a red, a red X on your, on your uh, hand and you would, you would send it out and show people because it was against slavery. You want to end slavery. Slavery still exists today all around the world and even still here in the United States. And we need to end slavery. That's helping right the wrong. Some of you are working with um, uh, sex trafficking, trying to stop sex trafficking, which is huge. It, not, not in other countries. Here in America. And you are trying to do it. That's, that's, that's justice. You are being a king to try to help right the wrong. When you do that video uh, and uh, for Easter, what's the big deal? That's helping right the wrong. To say, tell people about Jesus. That's justice. That's reigning as a king. Another aspect of David that he was conscious of his covenant that he had with God and he knew who he was. Like I said before, you read some of his writings, he he was some man before his time in a sense. He knew God, not on the Old Testament, but he actually seems like he knew him in the New Testament. With the New Covenant, that's how he acted. So you don't walk around always defeated, you always know who your God is. And because of David's covenant awareness, he was able to show kindness. 2 Samuel 9, he says, to show the Lord's love. That's what his life was like. To be a king, you show the Lord's love. It just goes out of you. Why is that? Because you know his love. You're a priest. See, the thing about David, he was also a priest. Remember when he brought up the Ark of the Covenant? He brought it into where he was at in Jerusalem. Why did he bring the Ark of the Covenant there? What did he do? He danced before the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. In fact, he tried to do it wrong in his own way and, and people died, didn't they? So what he had to do with the Ark of the Covenant was he ever so many steps. I can't remember exactly how many there were. He had to slaughter an animal. He was sacrificed to the Lord. I mean, it was extravagant what he did to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And he worshipped extravagantly. He was that priest, and so he was able to show the love of God. And as godly kings, we'll have a desire to seek out opportunities to show God's love to brothers and sisters. The Lord... The next aspect we see about this godly king is that he was all about establishing the kingdom of God. And so guess what God did for him? He made him wealthy. Because he was faithful. To do what God said. Wealth didn't have David. Wealth didn't have his son Solomon. Solomon built the temple. See, that's what it's about, getting everything in order so we can walk as what God has called us to walk. He's called us to be a king. He's called us to be a priest. And he's called to be a prophet. We are a royal priesthood, so we may declare the praises of him who called you and I out of darkness. And the spirit-equipped calling that God has called you and I This giftings, prophet, the priest, the king. It's for us to live so we can have a balanced life. So we can experience the abundant life of God now. This is what I want to ask you. Where are you at in those areas? I want you even to ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how can I be a prophet? How can I walk in that prophetic way? How can I listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to you and speak? Instruct, rebuke. How can I do those and encourage? How can I do those things? I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit how you can be that priest. I want Him to show you that. How am I going to be a priest right now? when you're in the presence of God he's going to show you he's going to transform you to walk as a king to walk as David did that you know your covenant that you're all about his kingdom and building his kingdom that you love and you want to show the love of God more than ever before that you push through some things and watch him do that because as we become that prophet, that priest, king, things come in line. That's the vision I want the Holy Spirit just to really give you right now. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, show me how I can move prophetically. How I can be that prophet today. Where I can encourage. Where I can admonish, instruct, and rebuke. I can do it with love. I can be that priest. Where I enter daily in the presence of God. Without making excuses, I just want to know you more, Lord. So I can walk as a king on this earth. And rule and reign with you, God. Father, just help us right now. Show us right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship God. And I just want you to just to enter in right now, even into your priestly duties. Just watch the presence of God just come over you right now. Okay? As you make that commitment to do this. As we sing, just worship Him. And allow Him to speak to you right now. Go ahead, guys. Father, we just thank you as we daily choose to come into your presence, be that priest to you where we worship and honor you, Lord, that we'll start walking as that prophet and that king, Lord, that we speak your word boldly, be led by your Holy Spirit, encourage others, teach others. That we'll walk and rule and reign as a king here on this earth, Lord. In Jesus' Jesus. name. Amen. Come on, give him praise right now. Isn't he good? Amen. 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 Now listen. That's the vision that Christ came to die for you. To live as a prophet, priest, and king. Okay? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take those notes. And on the back, there's some questions. On the front, there's some other scriptures I wasn't able to go through because of time. But I want you to take them, and I want you to, in your priestly times, okay? To ask the Lord how he sees you as a prophet, okay? How he sees you as a king. What is that going to look like in you? Because let me tell you something. We like to put people in boxes that you have to always be like me. That's not what God does, okay? Okay? God is huge, and it's going to take us forever to get to know exactly who He is. But guess what? We're supposed to reflect Him on this earth. So I'm going to reflect a a part of God, and you're going to reflect a part of God, okay? And how you are that prophet is going to be different than how I am, okay? I gave you some of the basics of of it, but it's going to be different how you go about it, okay? And how you're going to be and walk as a king. Some people, really, as a king, They really are different than I would be. Doesn't mean that they're wrong at all. It's just about how God's had them. You know, some people are called financially as a key, too, in His Word. And so, you know, you just have to pray and ask the Lord. In your prayer time, allow the Lord to speak to you. Don't let anybody else speak to you about it. Allow the Holy Spirit to come into you, and this is how we're going to do it. This is how He wants to do it in you, how He wants you to speak His Word boldly proclaiming truth and being that witness. How he wants you to be that king and show justice and his love and mercy and to do his kingdom. So you pray. So you go home during those times, and I want you to start writing down those issues, okay? And those things that he said, okay, this is how it's going to be. And see and see you walk in it, okay? This is how balance will be coming in your life and getting everything in order. This will help you, trust me, financially. This will help you relationally. This will help you definitely spiritually. This will help you in every aspect in every sphere of your life. You'll see God move, amen? You guys ready for that? Man, God's so good. Come on, give him praise again. Amen. He's so good.